So I need to tell you three things right up front. One, today is the seventh Sunday of Epiphany. Please try to contain your excitement. If you get this excited at the first one, I don't know how you're going to make it through the next two. Well, okay, it's not that big a deal. But Epiphany, capital E, is this season that we're in in the Christian year. It follows after the 12 days of Christmas, and it's uh, about the appearing of Christ, the beginning of his ministry, like when he goes to that wedding in Cana and turns the water into wine or his baptism. So it's, it's a season of appearing. But lowercase e, epiphany, is a word we sometimes use in our vocabulary for a kind of aha moment. It's those incredible moments when God shows up in our lives, sometimes called goosebump moments, not exactly a theological term, right? But that's what epiphany is about. The second thing is that, believe it or not, two of the greatest theologians of the 20th century spilled a lot of ink about How is it God shows up in our lives? I won't bore you with all of the details, and it's a fairly complicated argument, but it goes something like this. The one said, well, first of all, let's get this straight. God is God, we are mortal, and we cannot make epiphanies happen. You're invited to, but you you can't make it happen. Only God can make initiatives and sightings and, and visions and epiphanies happen. And the other one said, okay, I'll grant you that there's a a divide, but humans are made in the image of God, and therefore we have something in us that seeks after, and we can seek because God has invited us to do so. And then they arm wrestled back and forth for a few years. Still not very exciting, is it, right? I mean, let's face it. Because the third thing is, I was going to say, neither of those first two really matters. I mean, in the big scheme of things, Maybe, maybe on a seminary campus, but what we really want to know is in our daily lives, in the little scheme of things, is God present? You know, like when you're running errands, picking up the dry cleaning, running kids to this, or shoveling snow, if you remember what that looks like. And, you know, is God present those moments? And the answer, of course, is yes. But it's so much more eloquently stated in that quote on the front of the bulletin. It goes back to the Oracle of Delphi. It was made more popular, you might know it, by Carl Jung, the psychologist. Bidden or not bidden, God is present. Call on God or don't. God is present. Isn't that beautiful? Bidden or not bidden, God is present. That's, in essence, what the psalm proclaims. Some people call this one of the most beautiful, exquisite descriptions of God's relationship to us. Even though in English it starts with, O Lord, the first word's really Lord. And it's the Hebrew word Yahweh that you weren't even supposed to say. Jews still don't say that name. It's so holy, so removed, so transcendent. And yet... On almost every line of the psalm, there's a you or your referring to that God and a me or my referring to us. And seven times the verb to know is used. In other words, this one whose name we can't even say is so intimate and knows our name. And then, you heard it, 
The psalmist kind of gets this crazy idea. Poets sometimes do that and says, okay, so like if I went up to the heavens, guess what? God's there. Well, yeah, I mean, we would have all guessed that. Do you think God's in the heavens? Yeah, sure. But if I go to Sheol, which is not hell, it's a Jewish understanding of, of nothingness after death. There's nothing. It's the valley of death and nothing. If you could go to the place of nothing, God would be there. Go up to the mountains, God is there. Go into the valleys, God is there. Take a cruise, God is there. Go up the chairlift in the Rockies, God is there. Sit in the ER, God is there. Over and over, God is there. That's the, that's the stress of epiphany. Now, coming roughly in the middle of the Bible, Psalm 139, it's pretty close. It's kind of interesting to sort of look back behind it and in front of it for all the places where God appears. The record of God's coming to us. Like, you remember page one of the Bible, Genesis 1? God is nowhere to be seen. Off stage, all you hear is the voice. Light. And there's light. Right? Golden retriever. There's a golden retriever. Rose bush, they come up. God just speaks creation, but off stage. There's no, no sighting, just the voice. But you turn the page, Genesis 2, and all of a sudden this God is intimately present, scooping up mud, throwing it on the potter's wheel, creating humans, breathing into their very nostrils the breath of life. And then with that couple, so intimate that they walk around the garden together. But you know the story, right? When they eat and their eyes are open, it is not God who hides. Well, you've done it now. You'll never see me again. No. They hide from God. And then, of course, there's that east of Eden, no longer in the garden. So sightings of God become pretty few and far between. I mean, Moses gets to see the backside. I guess that counts for something. But after that... It's mostly just words from prophets and people like that. I mean, that's sort of hit and miss. So, But for us, when you keep reading, the zenith of epiphany is God comes in the flesh. Jesus Christ comes in the flesh. God, you know, in, in John 1, echoing kind of Genesis 1, John says that he became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, dwelt among us. It's really pitched, pitched his tent among us. Out there on the yard where you rake leaves and the kids play, that's how close Jesus came. That intimate. But let's be honest. Do you remember the rest? He ascends, says he's coming back clock's still ticking on that one. But the Spirit comes, but still it's sort, of, it's sort of hit and miss. I love this phrase a religion writer uses. I don't know if she coined the term for this sort of theological notion, but it's, it's a French term, jamais vu, which she says is the opposite of déjà vu. So everybody knows deja vu, right? You're going, and, and this is a new experience, a new restaurant, a new something, and you go, this is really weird. I feel like I've been here before. Like, this happened. But jamais vu is where you know you've been here a thousand times before. You've done this hundreds of times, whatever it is, but 
all of a sudden it seems new. Isn't that a great phrase? So it's like you're walking by the garden and you've seen flowers come up out of the earth a thousand times. Well, maybe not a thousand, however old you are, though every spring they come up. But for some reason on that particular day you go, huh, that's a... That's kind of a sign of resurrection, and you just you feel the presence of God. My uh, one of my best friends teaches New Testament at Central Seminary. David May. He's done some adult Bible study and things here at this congregation. He's a vegetarian, and the reason he's a vegetarian is because of an epiphany. So here's here's his story, and I'm not making this up. David was in the countryside, somewhere in Missouri, driving along, 50 miles an hour on a country road, barbed wire fences, you know, just zipping by, fields of cows. And for some reason, he looked over and he made eye contact with this one cow. And he would tell you this cow made eye contact with him. They had a moment. When he told me that, I said, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah. But for him, it was an epiphany. And from that moment on, he said, I can't eat meat. I I, I know, I know. Call it crazy, but, but for him, it was a sighting of God. I started with three things. Maybe it's really two, two. These I know for sure. When God shows up in our lives, it is always gift. It's a gift. It's it's something given to you. You can't make that happen. And the second thing, which is related to a gift, is that it's always good news. It's always good news. God's presence in our lives is not haunting I remember a student preaching on this years ago. And while he was preaching, I just kept looking at my Bible thinking, where are you getting your theology? Because this psalm does not say that. He had this vision of the God who knows what you're getting ready to say, knows what you're thinking. It was kind of like that Santa Claus naughty or nice thing. And this God had a list and was checking it and was watching. I said, that's not there. It says, this news is too wonderful for me. This God knows us intimately And that is good news, not bad news. If, if, I would love this, by the way, if you and I could sit on a porch and have a favorite beverage and exchange epiphany stories, I would love to tell you some of mine and hear yours. You know, just those moments. It, It might even be like a cow story. I don't know. I think in my life, I've had three capital E epiphanies. But the little lowercase ones, I think they're there all the time. I think they're there all the time. And and it doesn't just happen to preachers. I'll, I'll share two, though. One happened last Sunday. While you were in here, I was in Orlando, Florida, visiting our son and his family, which means our granddaughter. And on Sunday, we decided we're going to take her to the park, you know, get rid of some of that energy that little kids have and enjoy the sunshine. So we go to the park. She's on the slide. She's climbing this. She's scooting around that. Well, when you got there, it wasn't hard to figure out. There was this 
stand, this roof structure over a set of tables, and there were pink balloons tied all around at some girl's birthday party, and you could see the cake and the presents, but now they'd all scattered into the park. They were getting rid of their energy as well, right? Burning off the the cake sugar and that kind of thing. And so we're kind of watching this, and there, there are other people there. But while little Emma's crawling around, it became obvious that the party was starting to wind down. You know, a few parents over there waiting for their kids. And these two, two kids came up to Andrea. That was her name, the birthday girl, seven, eight, maybe something like that. They had to go, and they wanted to tell her goodbye. And it wasn't just, you know, the parents said, go tell her goodbye, go, go, go tell her. They wanted to do this. A, a, a little black boy and a little Hispanic girl and they got into this group hug. And it wasn't just like, uh, squeeze, go. They, they embraced for a long time. And they were giggling and laughing. And she said, I'll see you tomorrow in school too. But I, I don't know how to explain it except that I can't help but think that when God's diverse children hug, that that's a, that's a sign of God's presence. And that surely God smiles at times like that. Just a little moment. But now here's the thing about epiphanies. They're not all cute hallmark moments. You know, sometimes it's in Sheol. Two years ago this summer, I sat by the bed watching my mom lose her 10-year battle to Alzheimer's. And as many of you know, it is such a cruel disease. That woman had raised me practically by herself. She had sat by my bed when I was scared or when I was sick, and now I was sitting by hers. She was in this nursing home. You know, you go through these stages. She was in this nursing home, and hospice was there. And I went several times a week, but they said, you need to come now. So for two days, we sat there. She was pretty much out of it. But she kept on breathing. You know how that is. They just keep on breathing. And on the second day, around 2, 3 in the afternoon, I sort of drifted off, right? I mean, I fell asleep. And what woke me up was she quit breathing. The moment she quit breathing, I just... And my mom was gone. And God was not. Right? God was there. Maybe there's only one thing we need to know about epiphany. Bidden or not bidden, God is present. 